Well, church family, it's a time of transition. We are transitioning from four years of studying and um, living into the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, both written by Luke. We're going to transition to something else, and I'll say a little bit about that in a minute. But we're also transitioning because, as Ken prayed for, this morning we're sending Pastor Gina and Dane onto sabbatical. We're commissioning them. So I want to say a little bit about um, that because I'm going to end my sermon a little differently this morning. Instead of leading us into prayer or a song of response, we're going to land on praying for Pastor Gina and Dane. And just like when you sent Anne and the kids and I on sabbatical two years ago already, um, we'll, we'll, we'll have them sit in the center and we'll all gather around them. So we'll end our sermon that way. Okay, just want to prepare you for that. Um, Pastor Gina preached, if you were here, she preached an incredible sermon last week in, in which the Lord really um, empowered her to do what she was preaching about, and that was to embody and proclaim the kingdom of God. And she gave us a review, as it were, of the good news of the kingdom of God from Luke and Acts, centered on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we now are joined to by faith, have life eternal in, and we proclaim to others. And she ended by inviting us to be yielded afresh, to be vessels of the Lord, to do what what our mission here at Gold Avenue Church is, which if you'd flip the screen, oh, is it not working? Well, anyways, here's our mission. I'll just say it, it was going to be going to be on the screen, but Gold Avenue Church mission statement is this, empowered, good, thank you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we each use our gifts to embody, proclaim, and advance the kingdom of God. We don't try really, really hard on our own to do these things, empowered by God. Joined to God, one with Him, empowered by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, then we each use our gifts to embody, proclaim, and advance the kingdom of God. And that's what we saw when we went through Acts. We saw Paul and company repeatedly being led by the Lord, guided by the Lord, spoken to by the Lord, strengthened by the Lord, the Lord speaking through them, the Lord delivering messages. And as we watched Paul and company make their way from Jerusalem around Asia Minor and into Europe and back around, we saw the world get changed. We saw people that were destined for hell and for life apart from God get saved. We saw people get healed. We saw people get delivered from darkness and delivered from demonic oppression as they went. They embodied and they proclaimed and they advanced the kingdom of God and it became really clear and apparent to us they aren't doing this in their own strength. They're doing this by the person and the work or the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to do now, church family, is zoom in a little closer and say, well, how does that work? We know from watching them that they were being led by the Spirit. They were being strengthened by God, gifted by Him. 
But practically, how does God do this? How do we work with him? As we open our Bibles, what can we see about the dynamics of working together with God? So we're going to spend the next seven of the next eight weeks we're uh, preaching through dynamics of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And this is the way that we're going to do this. These will be topical sermons, so I won't preach just one passage like when we were in Luke or Acts, we preached one passage. But what we'll do is we'll start with the same passage each week. Story in the Gospel of John, John chapter 11. We'll start with that. We'll notice this dynamic there, and then we'll make our way through a number of other scriptures to look at how do we work with God? How does God work through us so that we can each keep growing? Because in the kingdom of God, you're growing or you're stagnating. And God has so much for us that he desires for us as his children to grow into. We're all called, what? To grow up into maturity or to the image and the likeness of Christ. So what we see in him is our inheritance. That's incredible. That's incredible. So we're going to start this morning, John chapter 11. If you turn there with me, Vic says it's on page 1668. John 11. Mm Mm-hmm. Starting at verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. We know from another gospel that she was the one that Jesus delivered from seven demons. Drove seven demons out of her. She's the first one to meet him at the grave after he resurrected. This, this, this Mary. She was a prostitute also. Jesus redeemed her from that. So the sister sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend, Lazarus, has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. 
Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Jesus reached the place, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Word of God.
When I was a young boy, I didn't really like going to church. I didn't know the Lord, and so I didn't really understand why I had to go and sing songs and go to Sunday school, and so I used to devise creative ways of passing the time, like seeing how many verses there were in a hymn and dividing them up into how many lines there were and then doing the math on how far we were through the hymn while we sang it, or like counting uh, what was the longest chapter of the Bible? What was the shortest chapter of the Bible? What was the longest verse of the Bible? What was the shortest verse of the Bible? And so, if you're anything like me, you know that the shortest verse in the Bible is in this chapter. And um, I, I, why am I starting there? I was kind of puzzling over, just remembering that this week. And then I was thinking to myself, why is it that this person who approximately 500 years ago decided that it would be helpful to have verses, um, made this verse only two words. The verse is, Jesus wept. And is it the case that even that person had the foresight to want to call attention to the profoundness of these two words? God is crying. God the Son is not shedding a tear or two, but he's weeping. And if we use our imaginations, we might see his chest heaving. We might see him shaking. We might even see snot coming out of his nose. But God, Almighty God in the flesh, is weeping. And as I pondered that, I thought, now this is incredible. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He told them that. He knows what's going to happen. And he's still heaving and shaking and weeping and crying. Why is God crying? Because he loves them. Because he loves them deeply. Because he loves them personally. Listen to these words that Luke records. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus says to them, our friend, our friend. Deeply moved in spirit, it says about Jesus. The picture of that word is actually anguish, like he's torn up. This is right before he weeps. And it's like Jesus is just, there's, there's a combination of uh, anger. It's like he's angry at what's happening, but angry at how what's happening is hurting people that he loves. He's in anguish in the presence of the grief of his friends. And he weeps out of that anguish. Deeply moved. Jesus' love, as we see it here, is personal and it's tender. And I think in these two words, we see a picture of the heart of God toward the whole human family. That He hurts. We don't often think of God as hurting, God is strong. 
He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And yet, the picture that Jesus is showing us here of God is that He hurts over our hurt. That the things that cause us anguish also bring pain to Him. That the things that we weep over also cause Him to weep. I thought of, I was thinking about this and, and Anne shared a video with me yesterday and it was a, a tribute, sort of a tribute and a, a memoriam of a man that died on 9-11. But it was from the perspective of his daughter who was a little girl when he died. And the video starts out with her in a little girl's voice saying, Daddy, it's been a year now and I want you to know that I'm eating carrots with my supper and mommy says that you're in a better place now called heaven and that we shouldn't, we should be happy for you. But daddy, I miss you. And daddy, can you see me? And then four years later, daddy, I'm in junior high now and I'm on the soccer team. You'd be really proud as you watch me play, but daddy, can you see me? Daddy, I miss you. And then she's in high school, and then she's in college, and then she's getting married, and she's saying, Daddy, it's been 16 years, and I know that you'll be with me when I walk down the aisle, but Daddy, I still miss you. Daddy, can you see me? Can you see me? And I watched that video, and I thought, this is where so much of the world is just lost, like spiritually orphaned and looking for, is there a God who knows me? Am I known? Am I loved? Can you see me? Can you see me? And I think the, the portrait that Jesus paints for us, remember, Scripture says he's the exact radiance of God the Father. So in Jesus we see the Father's heart and in Jesus we see the love that that um, doesn't stand far off, but that comes close to our hurt, joins us in it, weeps over it, and knows us personally in it. When I look back at other scriptures, I see, I see this. I see Jesus, I just want to look at Jesus for a minute, and I just say, Jesus, just reveal yourself again as we look at you. I see a, I see a man covered head to feet with leprosy, his, his, Arms are oozing with pus and nobody wants to get near him. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus with love in his eyes says, I'm willing. And he touches the man that nobody wants to touch. And I see a widow from the little town called Nain who's already lost her husband and has just lost her only son. And she's weeping as she walks beside the coffin of her son and they carry him out. And I see Jesus walk up to the woman and gently touch her arm and say, don't cry. Don't cry. Like a father to a child, gathering them in, don't cry. And then he raises her son I see the prostitute Mary weeping at Jesus' feet, ashamed of all that she's done, and yet in him receiving 
grace and a new start and I see Jesus taking that shame onto himself and saying, your shame will be mine. My love will be yours. I see blind Bartimaeus yelling out, Lord, David, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopping, hearing, noticing, and coming up to him and saying, what would you like me to do for you? What would you like me to do for you, says God. I see Jesus speaking as he walks toward the city of Jerusalem in anguish again and saying, Oh, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you like a mother gathers hen, gather, chicken, mother gathers her, her, her chicks under her, her wings. Yeah, thanks. I see this heart, this heart of God that breaks when people hurt, that longs to gather them in, and that is constantly moving toward people with love and with compassion. He doesn't stay away. He doesn't stay removed from our brokenness. He notices, he cares, and he moves toward. And he doesn't do it because it's the right thing to do. He doesn't do it because he's got to try hard to do it, because he's telling himself he should do it. He does it because it's who he is. It's his nature to love. 1 John 4 says, God is love. Whoever lives in God, or whoever lives in love, lives in God, and God in him. Romans 5 says that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. It is God's foremost concern to help every one of us know we're loved. To experience that love. He doesn't say he tells you he loves you and communicates it to your mind. He says he pours it into your heart. That this is the work of God's own spirit is to come to my heart and to say, you are valued, you are worthy, you are chosen, you are delighted in, you are special, you are loved. I care for you. I watch over you. I'm a part of your life. I hurt when you hurt. I love you. It's the love of God that moves Jesus toward Lazarus. It's the love of God that moves Jesus toward anybody that he moves toward. It's the love of God that is the first and the foundational dynamic that we see in Scripture for cooperating with the Holy Spirit. In other words, if we want to embody the kingdom of God, if we want to reveal God to people, we got to love them. we got to really love them. Love them where they are. Love them messy. Move toward them and love them with compassion. We have to let our hearts get broken over what breaks God's heart. we got to let our hearts get broken over what breaks people's hearts. Like migrants. Right? we got to let our heart... We're, we're a couple thousand miles away. What do we think about it when the news is on? we got to let our hearts get broken over the hurting and over the lost. It's when we let our hearts get broken that that creates space for God to move. Not just broken, but when in with compassion. You know what compassion means? It means to suffer together with. That's the literal translation. 
when it says God has compassion on you, His mercies are never failing, it means He suffers together with you. And it's when we let our hearts get broken enough with love to suffer with people that God moves. And so let me give you an example of this. The ministry, Teen Challenge, I think many of us have heard it, they work to bring people out of addiction and to renew and restore their lives through Jesus Christ. And they're all over the world. That ministry started when one rural Pentecostal pastor was flipping through a magazine at night and read an article about troubled youth in New York City. And instead of flipping the page, he let God give him a burden and he drove to New York City. And with no tools except a Bible and a willing heart, he just went looking for young people. Until God, and God led him right to them and them to him, and the rest is history. God, God worked because he made himself available to love. This is so important. We call this the first step in, first dynamic or first step in a dance of cooperating with the Lord, but really it's like it's the whole dance floor. It's so important that when Paul writes his letter to the Corinthians, he says, look, I'm gonna now show you, he's been talking about spiritual gifts, and the parts that we all play as we're in the body of Christ. And he says, now I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And he, and he says, look, if you can speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels, so foreign languages and tongues of, of angels, but you don't have love, you're like a... Man, you're, enough, you're nothing but a noisy sound. He says, if you can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, if you can prophesy about the future, you've got incredible gifts from the Lord, but you don't love people? And nothing. You could give your body to the flames. It doesn't matter how much you suffer and sacrifice if you don't have love that moves you toward people. Never mind the gifts. Love is patient. Love is kind. And he goes on to describe the love that God has for us and the love that God calls us to live out to others. And I want to share with you candidly that when I first started to learn about the power of the Holy Spirit and I knew that I needed the gifts of the Spirit and I started asking the Lord to give me those gifts, he said, no, not yet. You don't love like I love. You just want to fix people. It's true. I had a profound encounter with the Lord, such a profound encounter in 2012, that I wrote this note to myself, and it's been posted on the wall ever since. I want to read it to you. We cannot preach or teach with power unless we first possess the power to love those whom we would teach. But the power to love first needs the willingness to die. Because in order to truly love another in the same way that Jesus loves them, we will need to be willing to lay down our life for them. Jesus did not love merely with words, but in action and in truth. And whoever claims to live in him must walk as he did. That last verse is 1 John 2, 6. 
Pastor Jalisa's stepping into care ministry. And so I'm going to hand this note to her as a gift. I think about it this way. If I can't really love, then I'm like a tour guide who's trying to give somebody a tour of a place that they've never been himself, right? So you're about to go to Egypt and maybe you'll see the pyramids and maybe somebody will give you a guide. A guide will give you a, a, a tour of the pyramids. You don't want somebody who's never been through the pyramids and can't tell you what's what and what you're looking at. If I want to show people the king and the kingdom of heaven, I need to embody it. I need to embody the love that God has for people. Love opens the door to God working powerfully. I have seen, I have seen kind words change the atmosphere of a room like that. I have seen somebody speak lovingly and gently to someone who is angry and watch the anger melt away just like that. Love has the, the, when it's God's love, when it's pure and it's holy and we step out in it, it has the power to change and to transform people and situations. Think about, think about this. Why is the world so in awe of Mother Teresa? She's a, she was a hundred pounds nothing woman with nothing that the world seems to run after. And yet the heads of state and government pine to meet with her. She's so special. Because she loved extravagantly. Because she let the Savior live through her, she let her heart be broken for the lost and the wounded and the dying and the sick of Calcutta. And she went to lower herself to love them. Well, we don't need to go to India. We don't need to go to India to serve and to love. We've got, we've got people all around us. I just think this is so exciting. You know, um, I said love opens the door to God working powerfully, but another way to say it is this. Because God is love, if you're loving somebody, you're revealing God. You're manifesting His presence on the earth. You know, the, Paul says, he says, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, right? Representatives. When we have an ambassador from, from another country that comes to live in the United States, the place where they live is actually the sovereign territory of that nation. So the ambassador from India, their residence here is Indian territory. When we're ambassadors from heaven, we are, we are, ter- heaven on earth is what we're representing. So, so when I go and I love somebody, I am manifesting God to them. I just think this is this exciting, most exciting thing that wherever I go, wherever you go, we can reveal God to people. Just by serving, just by hugging, just by speaking kind words, just by noticing a need and asking if we could help to meet it, just by giving generosity, just by, you name it, we make 
present God. What an incredible privilege this is. You just think, not only do I not need to go to India, I just, all I need is the eyes to see around me who needs encouragement. Who needs love? I got a circle right here. I got family. I got friends. I got classmates. I've got workmates. Who needs love? And I think when I get all excited like that and I think about the opportunity around me and then I think about how we don't always live into that opportunity and if we're honest about ourselves with how we're, what we're ministering or manifesting to those in our immediate circles that maybe we'll be honest enough to admit that it's harder than we would like it to be. That behind closed doors, maybe more often we're ministering criticism anger, impatience, frustration, struggling to forgive, and so sometimes resentment or bitterness. See, what I, what I thought as I meditated on the love of Jesus for this morning is, friends, we don't just need to be told to act lovingly. That's not going to help us. We know that. We need to be transformed by love. We need to be encountered by love. We need to receive so that we can give. Jesus says, freely you've received, freely you give. And so we got to be honest with the Lord where we're struggling. Where we're struggling is an opportunity to grow. But we got to be honest with the Lord about behind closed doors. Or if we get real excited on Sunday, but when we go into Monday through Saturday, we aren't really living intentionally working to reveal Jesus to others. Why is it? We don't give ourselves a guilt trip about it. We just ask why. That's data. It just says to me, if I'm not conscious of the fact all the time that I'm an ambassador, representative of heaven on earth... I just need to say to myself, why? Maybe it's because I need more contact with and receiving from the King who's in heaven. Maybe I need, some of my own heart needs to be healed and filled. And this, maybe this is why Paul, the one who experienced this, Right on the Damascus Road, man full of rage and anger, and he got encountered by Jesus, and he didn't get condemned, even though he was full of hatred. He met Jesus, and he found that Jesus loves murderers. That Paul prayed, I pray that you may be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Jesus may dwell or abide or live more fully in your hearts. More fully. So look, He's there, but there's more. There's more of Him. There's always more until we go into glory. 
so that Jesus may dwell in your hearts more fully and that you, being rooted and established in love. In other words, that your life is planted in and growing up out of God the Father's love for you. Jesus' sacrificial love for you. So that you can be filled up to beyond the measure, says Paul. When you're filled up and flowing over, it's because your roots are down deep in the love of God. And so friends, I want to move toward closing this way. By saying that sometimes when we recognize a deficit, that's, that's, that's simply a call to an intentional season of seeking the Lord. God gifts. Here's a dynamic in the kingdom of God. Everything comes freely by grace. And yet, God invites and expects us to come after it hungrily. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Hebrews 11 says, without faith it's impossible to please God because he who pleases God must uh, not only believe he exists but earnestly seek after him. So God's a father who longs to give and he also longs for us to know the worth of what he's giving and to pursue him. And so I want to invite us as a church family into a, a... invite you to intentionally pursue receiving and growing in the love of God. Say, Lord, fill me up and let me overflow. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours.